Hello, and welcome to Cinebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kyle Cruz, and I'm joined by my co-hosts. Hello, everybody. Uh, my name is David Berman. Um, I am uh, Daily Nebraskans COVID-19 section co-editor, so just covering all the COVID-19 happenings on UNL's campus, so make sure you check that out. And I also do this podcast with these people. As well as? Um, Mia Everding. I'm a grad student and a co-host of this podcast, and I have been told that my zoom is very laggy so out there but that's all i do so <laughs> you've been told specifically by us because because we are experiencing your laggy zoom during this call <laughs> let it let me know if it's really that bad and i'll just not talk and we'll be fine i'll just no, listen. <laughs> no no we 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 want your opinion even if it's extremely delayed and yeah, as I mentioned uh, already, I'm Kyle Cruz. I mainly just host this podcast and write some movie reviews for the DN. Um, and as you've probably already gathered, uh, we're recording remotely again this week, uh, just because it's really cold outside um, and my car won't start. So we can't really get to campus right now. Um, so yeah, just hang with us while we, uh, while we record remotely over Zoom. Uh, no, the audio is not as great, but you know, we're, we're, we're doing what we gotta do to talk some movies. Um, so yeah, with that said, we'll just jump into our, our first segment, which is what have I done? What have I done? What have I done? And what have I done is the segment where we just talk about what we've been up to for the past week or so, what, what movies or TV or whatever we've been watching. Um, and so, yeah, as usual, David, let's start with you. Uh, what, have, what have you been up to? Yeah, so I uh, watched two uh, kind of Oscar buzz getting movies um, on various streaming services this week. Uh, the first one was One Night in Miami. Um, that's on Amazon Prime, um, released uh, on Christmas, I believe, Um I think like in theaters and then I think it's been out in prime for a few weeks. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, about, um, it's like a dramatization of like the, the real meeting of, um, Cassius Clay, also known as Muhammad Ali, um, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke and Malcolm X, um, when they just spend like one night together, um, in, uh, in my, my, uh, one night in Miami, um, after uh, Cassius Clay um, uh, becomes the heavyweight champion of the world for the first time. Um, and yeah, it's really just about like them uh, just, just talking about like their lives and their, their roles with, with um, the civil rights movement in the sixties and kind of the line between, you know, well, three out of the four are entertainers in some ways to, to our athletes and, and and one's a singer um and and kind of the, them trying to balance their lives as they're entertaining people they're 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 public figures in the world but they're also you know trying to fight for racial equality and in the 60s and and now to to a very to a very real and similar extent a lot of people just want want entertainers and athletes to just to pick a lane and and not get political and, and everything there. And so it, it's, it's just a very, a very prescient movie. Um, it was written, uh, I'm trying to find um, the guy who wrote it. I believe it was written, yeah, by Kemp. Uh, his name is Kemp Powers. Um, and this is based off of a play that he wrote um, just uh, about, the, about the same thing. Um, and it, it very much has the feel of just a play because it's, really only takes place like in a hotel room um, in Miami and just them like hashing out their differences and similarities with each other and, and is trying to, you know, just, just debating like what their roles are in the world. Um, and yeah, it's really, really great. Um, the, uh, all four of the performances are really good, um, especially Leslie Odom Jr. Um, from uh, Hamilton fame. Uh, he plays Sam Cooke um, and um, Kingsley Benadir as uh, Malcolm X. And they're both really excellent. Like it's kind of the main conflict of the movie is um, between the two of them because Malcolm X is is very much like you know we um, he he you know wants to start a revolution and 
doesn't want to wait wait around any longer and 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 Sam Cook is a little bit hesitant towards that and and, and isn't as radical um so yeah it just yeah really really great movie would highly recommend um and in a similar vein I also watched uh, Judas and the Black Messiah um that is also a true story um it's directed by uh, Shaka King I believe I'm pronouncing that uh, pronouncedly I believe I am pronouncing that correctly. Um, and uh, that's about um, uh, uh, the chair of the Black Panther Party, uh, Fred Hampton, um, and this FBI mole that was planted within his kind of inner circle um, to, to pretty much like infiltrate the Black Panther Party and eventually um, you know, gather information and sabotage their movement and eventually assassinate Fred Hampton. Um, and yeah, another really, really excellent movie. Um, Daniel Kaluuya's Fred Hampton and Lakeith Stanfield is William O'Neill, who is the FBI uh, mole. Um, and they are both excellent. I, especially Daniel Kaluuya, I think will definitely get an Oscar nomination for this. Um, but yeah, that's on HBO Max. I think it's also playing in theaters right now. But yeah, just two really, really great movies, very, very relevant to to now and uh, with, you know, discussions on race and everything there. So yeah, very much would recommend. Yeah. Um, in terms of One Night in Miami, uh, I've heard I've heard great things about the performances there, but I haven't actually seen the movie. Do you think anyone in the cast is going to get like uh, acting nominations? Yeah, I think like if there were to be any, it would be Leslie Odom Jr. or Kinsley Bing Kingsley Benadir, just because I think they are really like the standout performances. And yeah, they are their characters are like the central conflict and kind of the central discussion kind of revolves around them. Um, but it very much is like an ensemble movie where the four of them all have like very equal roles and are are given, you know are yeah each are fleshed out in very good way very interesting ways yeah and then uh as for judas and the black messiah um because that's on hbo max correct mm -hmm. cool yeah because I, th I think that's one of the one of the movies that hbo like that warner brothers decided to like just put on hbo max and in theaters um just one of the like 20 or so movies that they decided to do that with uh this year um, and so I haven't watched Judas and the Black Messiah, Judas and the Black Messiah yet. Um, definitely going to watch it soon because I think it's only on HBO Max for like a month. Um, and then it gets yeah, I believe it. Yeah, I think it goes off like March 14th or something like that. Okay. Yeah, definitely have to watch that sooner rather than later. Definitely. Um, yeah, moving on from there, uh, Mia, what what have you been watching this week? Well, this past weekend, right before Valentine's Day, the last movie in the to all the boys i've loved before trilogy came out it was um to all the boys i've loved before ps or no <laughs> always and forever it's probably a good indicator that i don't know the name uh and that indicates what i thought of it in general um it was really bad <laughs> like it was really really disappointing um i had like fairly high hopes for it I guess just because I did enjoy the the previous two um and I think the original is really quite enjoyable and I've seen it probably too many times the second one I remembered being not as enjoyable as the first or even impressive like story-wise and then the third one just the conflict was stupid. The resolution was stupid. The animation was weird. The, it was so slow and so poorly written. Like, oh, it was so bad. And it made me angry because I love those movies. And I was like, yes, the last one, it's coming out. This is going to be great. No, it just really kind of sucked. So that was very disappointing i don't even want to dwell on it so yeah, yeah. i had um i had seen the first one um kind of like after it came out because it was i there's a lot of hype around it and I, I thought it was like fine um mm -hmm. honestly i didn't even know that there was a third one or that it was coming out uh, i remember like you mentioned to me like oh i'm watching like the new to all the boys i love before movie and I was like, oh, like, didn't that, I was just thinking like, oh, didn't that come out like a, a while ago? But I, <laughs> I didn't realize that there was a third one because I just thought you were talking about the second one. Nope. Uh, 
it's the third yeah yeah so i have seen like the first half an hour of the first one of these movies but i haven't seen any 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 more than that um so i guess mia how would you what's the basic premise of these movies like how would you describe to someone that has no idea what they are um and i guess including that like what's what's the general premise of this third one yeah so the general premise is that there's this girl who's like kind of shy. She has very strong feelings. And whenever she's had a big crush on a person in her life, she writes him a love letter. It's all big guys. It's like five guys. And she like doesn't send them that love letter. And um, her sister, her younger sister, like gets mad at her for some reason. So she like, she addresses the envelopes, which is, very stupid so then her her younger sister takes all the letters and she sends them to all of these guys and one of them is her next door neighbor who is dating her older sister his name is josh and her sister's name is margo and she's like oh no he's gonna know my feelings what's going on well it so happens that another guy peter kavinsky receives a letter and he's talking to her about it and he's like, well, you know, I'm, I have this girlfriend, like, I don't have feelings for you, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what, what's going on? And then she sees Josh walking up and she's like, he's gonna know that I have feelings for him. So she just like kisses Peter. They begin a fake relationship so that Josh isn't like weirded out by the fact that she likes him because he still doesn't know it because she's now dating dating peter in quotes so the whole first movie is them like fake dating but then they actually get feelings for each other it's a whole like revenge plot so that peter and his girlfriend because they've broken up it's for them to get back together but then like obviously peter and laura jean is the main character they fall in love so at the end of the first movie they're dating the second movie is that um her high school or her middle school crush he gets a letter and so he enters the picture there's a whole like love triangle she still ends up with peter who sucks by the way the middle school crush was way better and also is played by jordan fisher so like obviously you're making a mistake the third one has no jordan fisher whatsoever which i probably should have watched a trailer so that I would have known to expect to not see him so it's sad they're she and Peter are still together but their relationship kind of sucks in my opinion they're very immature um they're seniors in high school and she doesn't get into the same call like they don't get into the same college and they had a whole plan of like we're gonna finally you know like go to the same college this is my dream she doesn't get into the college so then she's thinking about going to a different college and it's about an hour away so they're already like oh no long distance it's an hour it's gonna be fine but then she goes to new york and she falls in love with a school there and she's like peter i want to go to school in new york and he's like what this is not the plan then they break up and then they get back together and then that's it it's so stupid horrible horrible conflict resolution they are so immature and literally the end of it is like, well, we're going to make these four years of long distance work of literally like, I don't even know, New York to California. That's for like 15, 1,500 miles, 2,000 miles, more or less. And she's like, well, long distance is going to be hard, but like it's Peter Kavinsky and Laura Jean. And it's like, okay, tone it down a little bit. You're still like 18 years old. So anyway, that's my angry spiel. It's the stupidest movie. And I'm so angry that they did it and end of rant i'm done <laughs> instead of me actually watching these movies i i hope to i i'm glad to just experience them through you just ranting about them um so i don't need to watch them yes you're welcome real quick before we move on uh i want to i want to ask you mia what what would you guess the rotten tomato score is for all three of these movies individually oh individually you know, I would place the first one at a solid 78. The second one at 64. And the last one, 59. 
All right, so the first one has a 96. Um, Ooh. The second one has a 75. And the third one has a 77. Oh, well, okay. That's an insanely high mark for the first one. Yeah, I was, I was surprised to see it. Because, like, I had heard good things about it. And I remember when it came out and it was, like, all everyone was talking about. But, yeah, 96 is pretty impressive. I think... I definitely like got the charm of it the first couple of times I watched it and then I grew up a little bit and then I started a relationship and then I was like no this is very immature and also like the main like I love the main character I think she's a really well like fleshed out character and it's based on a trilogy like of books and like she's a well-developed character but her boyfriend just sucks in general so yeah a big big thumbs two thumbs down honestly just skip skip it and you won't miss much yeah and to add, to add a little bit of context uh to the the rotten tomato scores of the second two so the even though the third or the third one has a higher rotten tomato score than the second one it's not actually certified fresh yet because it only has 47 reviews while the second one has 72 so again the second one was at 75 and the third was at 77 so hmm, okay yeah before it's all said and done but yeah interesting but well yeah. that's the end of my rant what about you kyle yeah so i also uh like dave have a couple movies to talk about this week but unlike dave my movies have no connection whatsoever they're just kind of random movies that i watched this week um so first of all um i watched avengers age of ultron again this week uh it's probably first time i've seen this movie in, in a solid few years um, definitely since before like Endgame and Infinity War came out um, and it actually held up a lot better than I anticipated it would because I think for a while there I had just kind of generally gotten into a mindset that Age of Ultron wasn't very good like was just kind of like one of the weaker Marvel entries um, and I'm glad I went back and watched it um, because I think there's a lot of things that really do work in this movie uh, specifically uh, James uh, James Spader uh, as Ultron. Uh, I think he is far and away one of the best parts of the movie. Um, and what, what had motivated me to go back and watch it is uh, Age of Ultron is the movie that introduced uh, the characters of Wanda Maximoff and Pietro Maximoff and Vision, um, who obviously have all become very relevant again uh, because of WandaVision. Uh, so I kind of wanted to go back and rewatch it and just kind of see where they began. Uh, and it's funny watching this movie, like, and seeing their introductions to the MCU and comparing it to now, um, just because the characters are so different and the situation they're in is just so, so tonally different. Because Age of Ultron kind of, it kind of takes itself pretty seriously. It, like, there, there are, like, jokes and quips here, but it's not as, like, zany as WandaVision is. It's definitely a lot more serious, specifically the character of Wanda, um, because her, her in her brother Pietro are kind of villains for most of the movie and by the end they end up being heroes spoiler alert for this movie that's like seven years old um but yeah it, it held up better than I thought it would um I remember when it came out one of my main complaints about it was that it just spent way too much time setting things up for for future movies um and I think that is still a valid complaint but now that those future movies have come out it's interesting to see how it was setting those things up um, like uh, how they introduced Claw, uh, who's one of the villains of Black Panther uh, in Age of Ultron, um, and just various little little uh, like eggs planted that they would then come back to at a later point in like Phase Three. Um, so I think I thought that was interesting. It definitely made it worth a rewatch. Um, it's still not one of my favorite Marvel movies by any means, um, but I again enjoyed it more than I thought I would. Um, but then the other movie I got the chance to watch this week uh, is Nomadland. Uh, so Nomadland uh, is also um, kind of like an Oscar, an Oscar contender film this year. Um, it's coming out, I believe, on Hulu this Friday. Um, it's opening in, uh, on Hulu and in theaters this Friday. So I got to see it as a part of a press screening for the Ross um, yesterday. And yeah, it was really great. Um, it's definitely, so it's directed by Chloe Zhao, uh, who we've talked about quite a bit recently uh, because she uh, is the director of the upcoming uh, Eternals film for Marvel, and she just recently was hired to direct a weird sci-fi futuristic Western version of Dracula for Universal. 
which we'll see how that goes. Um, but watching Nomadland, it's interesting because I do not get any sort of like, big, I, I would not have pegged her based on this movie as the type of person to like enter a big budget franchise like that, much less two of them. Because this is very much just kind of a very subtle character study of a movie like there's not there's not a lot that happens in the movie it's just kind of uh francis uh mcdormand's character um who I, i'm blanking on the name of right now it's just kind of her traveling around the country in her van um working uh, the occasional odd job to to pay for her food um, and then getting back in her van and traveling somewhere else um, there's not a lot of like solid plot to the movie it's more just about her as a character and that kind of lifestyle um, as a whole. And it, the movie has a lot to say about how you don't really need a lot of things to be happy. You don't really need a whole lot of material possessions or success or anything to, to kind of carve out a life that, you, that you're happy with. Um, and it kind of juxtaposes that against the kind of very, uh, like the, the, the classic uh, idea of the American dream where like you have to be super successful and be super rich and get all these things. Um, and so it's, it's a really interesting uh, examination of that, especially because it doesn't just paint uh, McDormand's character and her lifestyle as like the best thing to do. Like it, it, it doesn't, it's not afraid to get into the, to the nitty gritty of the, of that kind of lifestyle and the dangers and, um, negative effects that come with that. Um, and so I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, Francis McDormand's performance was incredible. Uh, I think the movie will definitely be, get be getting a nomination for Best Picture just because it's got that kind of hype around it. Um, I'm not sure if I would, so obviously we'll see what gets nominated. I'm not, based off of one viewing, I'm not sure if I would, I would give it Best Picture, um, but I definitely think it deserves to be in that conversation. Um, so yeah, uh, are you guys... So obviously both of y'all have seen uh, Age of Ultron. Um, so speak to that if you want to, but also uh, do you have any interest in Nomadland? Yeah, that's definitely been on my, Nomadland, Nomadland has definitely been on my list of just kind of Oscar buzz type movies that I've been hearing about and definitely want to see. Um, so yeah I, yeah, I wasn't sure when that came out. So I'm glad I know it's on Friday now. Um, but yeah, I I like Age of Ultron. I think it's pretty good. Like I think it gets kind of a bad rap. Um, I think Joss Whedon was really tired by the end of that movie, and so like he just it's not it's you know it's not amazing by any stretch. Um, but yeah, I think it it kind of suffered under the weight of yeah trying to set things up. But yeah, going back after those things that it tried to set up are out. I think it's really interesting. Um, did you gleam any any nuggets that might hint toward things happening in WandaVision? Because it seems like a lot of like Wanda's early backstory is going to be explored in the last few episodes of WandaVision and kind of, and yeah, it just seems like they're referring back to like her creation. So any any thoughts on that from from this viewing? Yeah, it was definitely interesting to watch it with that perspective um, because the film does spend a lot of time kind of building Wanda out to be kind of a tragic character. And like it, it gets into like the pain of where she comes from, like with losing her parents uh, in a bombing that was bombs created by Tony Stark. And obviously we've talked about the bit um, where uh, her and her brother were like waiting there for a couple of days as there was just a bomb beeping in front of them and they were just waiting for it to go off and it never did. Um, and how the kind of like psychological effect that would have on a person. Um, so that it was definitely interesting to watch like the kind of early days of this character knowing that they will then be called back to um, in WandaVision. Um, some things that I thought were interesting uh, were there's definitely a, a few points in Age of Ultron that they are definitely setting up a kind of relationship between Wanda and the Vision. Um, because so like when I first watched the movie, like I had heard people talk about how they were a, uh, a couple in the comics, but I didn't really get that from the from the movie at all. But like uh, the scene in which Vision is like awoken, um, like he comes out of the like the 
weird sarcophagus thing um and then he looks up and the first person he looks at is wanda and it's like an immediate reverse shot of her looking at him um and so i thought that was kind of interesting um he's like a he's like a baby duck that just came out of its egg and and has imprinted on someone (laughs) yeah yeah um and then there's also a bit towards the end where like as like the the sokovian city they're on and the final act is like falling apart where like vision comes in and saves her and there's a bit where like he scoops her up and they like directly make eye contact um and it's just kind of one of those like little scenes that like when you're watching it first time and you don't know where these characters are going you don't really think about um but knowing where they've come uh it's interesting to see those those kind of little seeds set up nice what about you, Mia? Uh, what are your thoughts on Age of Ultron? And are you excited for Nomadland? Um, you know, it's actually interesting that you talk about Age of Ultron because I was thinking about watching it again. But then I remembered that I wasn't the biggest fan and that it has kind of in the MCU at large been kind of put down. Like I know it's not it's not the best one and it's not my favorite. So I certainly haven't watched it in a very long time but now being a little bit more invested in in WandaVision I could see going back to watch it again would probably be worthwhile I do remember it being very yeah just very serious and not really willing to like I don't know I don't know how to phrase it well but it, it just it takes itself very seriously and I think I don't know, based on, like, the severity of things in, like, Infinity War and Endgame, like, those movies can afford to take themselves seriously, because it's, like, the culmination of this whole uh, process coming together, this whole universe coming together, so, you know, oh, one little robot guy and his minions, eh, you can take yourself a little bit, you know, not, not as rigidly, but I should probably go back and give it a rewatch. Yeah, um, and real quick before we move on, I just want to mention that there are also a couple other little bits that I that I thought were interesting. How it like, um, just like the ways that it set up like other MCU films, like uh, like Captain America: Civil War. Um, how like across uh, over the the course of the film, you can feel that kind of like building tension between uh, Tony Stark and Captain America, um, and then even uh, Black Widow, um, because all of the the most like solid uh, looks we've gotten into Black Widow's past uh, come from Age of Ultron uh, in the bits where like Wanda kind of gives each of the characters their own nightmares, um, like when they first like interact. Um, and there's a lot of uh, like flashbacks there to want uh, to um, uh, Black Widow's time, like in Russia prior, prior to everything. So it, it's interesting seeing that, um, knowing that we're just gonna see that explored on film here in the next couple months. Um, so I thought that was interesting as well. Uh, so yeah, I guess from there, uh, we'll just we'll just jump into our, our news for the week. Um, and something I, I, want, I should mention off the top uh, is that we're not having a main topic this week just because we're recording remotely and there, we didn't really have a main topic in mind. So, and there's a fair amount of news this week. So we still have plenty to talk about, um, but yeah, so this is what we've got. Um, so there's one comic book thing, but we'll come back to that later. But I just want to point out that usually we have a fair amount of comic book things in regards to the amount of news we have. Um, and with the amount of news we have this week, there's actually not a single comic book story in here, which I feel like is, is wild because that's just, that never happens. So, uh, jumping straight into our just general movie, uh, general movie news. Uh, we'll start with this with Ryan Johnson's Star Wars thing. Uh, so if you haven't heard, uh, Ryan Johnson recently had an interview uh, with a reporter, I think from USA Today, um, and I don't think that interview has been published yet, but that reporter did come out and say that in that uh, interview, Ryan Johnson confirms that his Star Wars trilogy, which they announced around the time The Last Jedi came out, is still happening. He's still working on it. Um, there's no dates or anything set for it just because Ryan Johnson's so busy with other projects at the time or uh, right now. Um, I don't think this is going to happen. Like even the, if they're still working on it, I, I just cannot see a Ryan Johnson Star Wars trilogy happening. And I love Ryan Johnson as a director. And I think there's a lot of great things about The Last Jedi. I think there's also some aspects of that movie that aren't so great. 
but I think the great, like the good certainly outweighs the bad with that. And I admired what he was trying to do with that, with, with The Last Jedi. Um, but the toxicity surrounding The Last Jedi and fan response to it, I think is just way too intense for Disney to want to try and open that box again. Like I would be interested in it, but I, I think if you had a Ryan Johnson trilogy of Star Wars movies, the conversation around that would just be about Ryan Johnson rather than the movies themselves, I think. Um, so again, I just, I don't see this happening, um, but maybe it will. Uh, what, what do you guys think? Yeah, I assumed this wasn't happening. I kind of thought it had already been canceled. Um, and yeah, I agree with you. I don't think this is going to happen. I think this will probably just get swept under the rug with, you know, a million Star Wars things are going to be happening in the next five years. I don't really see where this would fit in. You know, I who knows what he would want to make it about um, or what Disney would want him to make it about. Um, but yeah, I think I would like, I would be interested in seeing a Ryan Johnson trilogy because even with some not, you know, the, there are some weird elements about The Last Jedi. I agree with you. I think the good outweighs the bad. And I think it's one of one of the few Star Wars movies that like tries to do something different than other things that we've seen. So like, I, I'd totally be down for that if that were to happen. Cause I think he would bring a lot of really interesting things, a lot of interesting elements to the table, but yeah, I don't think this is going to happen. I, I, I think, I think Disney will eventually just, you know, Maybe it'll never get like officially canceled, but we're just never going to actually get it. So yeah, Mia, do you have any thoughts on on this? Yeah, I think I, I'm i not like as well versed in this whole, I think in the whole like controversy or like fan response um, to this movie. But I think Kyle, you made a good point when you talk about like just the backlash that Disney would be willing to take on this just regarding uh the fan response to the last jedi i feel like taking into i mean i don't know how much this would be a part of his trilogy maybe not at all but like just with all of the stuff that like john boyega has said like after the fact like after his movies i just see there being some repercussions that disney would just maybe want to avoid so yeah, maybe I, I agree with David, like maybe not David, Dave, maybe not like an outright like cancellation, but just never actually see anything come about, which would be frustrating, I guess, not to like have an exact answer, but I could see it happening, so. Yeah, and I think in general, um, Lucasfilm needs to focus less on their movies right now um just because star wars tv is killing it they've got a good thing going there just take a break from the movies now if you need to reassess and then come back to it later um just because like the sequel trilogy like while i love the force awakens uh and i love aspects of the last jedi um the rise of skywalker was a train wreck um and i think kind of sours that whole trilogy and kind of points out a lot of the flaws that have happened with that whole trilogy um, I don't know if you guys can tell right now, but my rabbit is going crazy and just running around. So if you hear, if you hear that, that's what it is. Um, but then also Ryan Johnson just has a lot going for him as a director right now. Like he's coming off of Knives Out. He got nominated for an Oscar for writing that movie. Like Ryan Johnson is, a, Ryan Johnson doesn't need Star Wars. He can just keep making the whatever movies he wants to make. Uh, and I think I would prefer that over a Ryan Johnson Star Wars movie. Um, but yeah, do you guys have anything else to add here? Cool. Uh, so moving on from there, uh, we got the first poster for Disney's uh, Cruella, uh, which is a film about uh, the, the classic 101 Dalmatians villa, cru uh, villain Cruella de Vil, uh, who's going to be played by Emma Stone. Um, we've got a we got a still image of her like in the costume of Cruella Deville a while ago, um, and she's up front and center of this poster. Uh, we're getting a full trailer tomorrow, so by the time this podcast gets 
gets published. Uh, we will have a trailer for Cruella. Maybe it'll be bad. Maybe it'll be great. I kind of anticipate it'll be all right. Um, I'm not really interested in this movie. I think the casting of Emma Stone as Cruella Deville is interesting, but also like who was asking for this? Um, I think the poster looks cool. Uh, I like the font. Um, I like uh, how Emma Stone looks in, as the character. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, with all the stuff that we've been hearing about this recently, like I, I, I felt like, man, we've been hearing about this movie for like a really long time. And so I, I looked into it and um, she was cast in this role in January of 2016. So it has been literally five years since we first heard about this. Um, and yeah, I like vaguely remember that hap that happening and being like, cool, that sounds neat. I don't really care now. Like, <laughs> I, I think this could be really interesting. I don't really know if we need like a Maleficent style, like she's bad, but she's actually relatable because something happened to her dog at one point or something like whatever it turns out happens. Like, I don't really think we need this. Um, I'm sure Emma Stone will do a great job in that role. And I think she would be really good. Uh, I think she'll be great, but yeah, I don't, I don't see this being particularly good. What do you think, Mia? Yeah, I don't know if I have high expectations for this. I think I remember like seeing the first poster and I just looked it up. It's like the one where she's like standing and like their dogs in the foreground and then the other characters. And I think I remember thinking that it was just like a really good Photoshop job because I remember not like seeing any news surrounding it. I was like, oh, wow, that looks really realistic. And then I feel like years passed and I totally forgot about it. So needless to say, don't really have super high expectations. I hope it just doesn't follow, yeah, that trope that you were talking about. Like, do we really, do we need to see that again? Like, is she that interesting a character? I don't know. I, yeah. I also, when, do we know when they like filmed this? If they, like if that first poster is so old, I don't have an exact date on that, but I feel like it, there's, it's always weird when like so much time has passed in between filming it and then like the actual production behind it gets put together. Um, according to Wikipedia, which, which, which of course is not a super reliable source at times, but um, it was revealed in August, 2019 that principal photography had begun um okay. filming wrapped in november 2019 so yeah it's been it's been a bit um, okay i'm assuming it was pushed back because of covid things um that would so. make sense yeah so yeah yeah also emma thompson's in this which like yeah that lines up like like i feel like this is very much like a movie emma thompson would be in and apparently she's like the antagonist for uh against Cruella Deville, which like yeah i can see emma thompson doing like a silly a silly voice and and having some fur on or something yeah it checks yeah. out uh, i hope they get glenn close in for this movie in some in some form just like have her show up uh just for 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 a little bit because uh i don't know if y'all remember but glenn close played cruella deville in the live action 101 and 102 dalmatians movies in like the 90s early 2000s something like that but she yeah role. Um, i remember being very scared by those as a child mm-hmm yeah, but I thought Glenn Close did a great job uh, in those movies from what I can remember. It's been a long time since I watched those movies. Um, but yeah, so I think it'd be fun if they like got her in and like had her play, I don't know, Cruella DeVille's mom or something. I don't know, some random small role of no consequence. Um, but yeah, uh, moving on from there, uh, Zack Snyder is currently in the midst of doing all sorts of promotional uh, uh, material, all sorts of promotional interviews for the upcoming uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, which we'll talk about later. Um, and in part of one of these interviews, he, he, someone asked him what he was working on next. So Zack Snyder's next film, uh, as we've known for a while, is some zombie film called Army of the Dead that has Dave Bautista and a bunch of other like big names in it. And that's going to Netflix this June, I think. Um, but beyond that, uh, he said that he is working on a more faithful adaptation of, of the Arthurian legends. So like King Arthur uh, and Merlin and Sword and Stone and all that fun, fun stuff. 
Um, and a lot of people have been running with this headline that like he is making this movie. Um, that's not that's not a thing yet. Like if you read the interview, he's very much just like, yeah, this is an idea I have. Hopefully that becomes a thing someday. someday. But it's not like this has gotten a studio green light from anybody. Um, and Zack Snyder seems to work with Warner Brothers a whole lot. Um, and Warner Brothers just did an adaptation of King Arthur like four years ago uh, with King Arthur and Legend of the Sword. Was that 2017 or was that 2018? I don't know, within the past several years. Um, and that was pretty good, actually. I enjoyed that movie, but it did not get very well received and lost a ton of money because it had like a, this is a weird tangent, but that movie had like a $200 million budget and made like 11 million opening weekend. Like it was not, it was not a good, a good situation for Warner Brothers. Um, but yeah, are you guys at all interested in a Zack Snyder version of King Arthur? I feel like this is like a very Zack Snyder thing to do. I think he would like, it just kind of checks out that this would be something he'd be interested in doing because most of his stuff is either like, yeah, it's, it's comic book things or it's like big sweeping epics like 300 or that one owl movie he made he made that owl he made that animated owl movie right guardians of Gahul. yes i have no idea what that movie is but um yeah i feel like and kyle and i have talked about how um he likes he very much likes to like deal in metaphors and and take you know like and and evoke like classic themes i i, I say in quotes um like like there's just a lot of like Christ imagery in, in Batman v Superman and, and all of his kind of um, DC stuff. So I can definitely see him taking like an archetypal story and putting his own twist on it. But also, I mean, yeah, it seems like he's doing a faithful retelling of it. So I don't know. Sure. Like, <laughs> I guess um, I might be really sick of Zack Snyder after uh, Justice League, but we'll see. Do you have any stake in this, Mia? Mia, have you seen any Zack Snyder movie, like, at all? Well, that's what I was trying to think. I don't believe that I have. I literally didn't even know what he looked like. I saw a video of him, I think, the, like, little section that was before the, the trailer. Um, and I realized, yeah, I don't know what he looks like. <laughs> so I am so behind the times on this. But, no, I don't believe that I have. I'm going to quickly look through his filmography but Zack Snyder looks exactly how you would expect him to based on his reputation and based on his name Snyder Zach with with the K at the end too yeah oh no we we watched Man of Steel didn't we yeah we so I have seen that oh yeah I forgot yes yes we did and Wonder Woman I didn't know he directed that no he didn't direct that he he produced he's like he's like produced all of the like dceu stuff pretty much okay okay fair patty uh directed wonder woman mia i need this that's why that was so shocking to me i'm so sorry patty forgive me anyway so yeah i've only seen man of steel so that's that's it so not a lot of skin in the game on this one for me um, I just found it. Zack Snyder directed a My Chemical Romance music video. Which one? Desolation Row. Haven't yeah. seen that one. Well, hmm. I'm not sure if it's like a music. It says it, it says it's a short, so I'm assuming it's a music video, but it could be a My Chemical Romance short in some other capacity. But I feel like My Chemical Romance is the type of band to make a short. Yeah, film. with Zack Snyder, like that It'd is very a- much a thing that would happen. <laughs> Something very much in the style of like a sucker punch. Um, yeah. Hello, Jojo. He just like jumped up in my lap. <laughs> Incredible. Um, yeah. So I guess moving on from there, do you guys have you guys seen any of the paranormal activity movies? No. Nope. And I don't care about them. <laughs> I also have not seen any of them and do not care about them, but they're getting a reboot, um, which is a headline that feels straight out of 2014 because um, back when it seemed like everything was getting a an announced reboot and the paranormal activity movies were still like at the height of their popularity um but yeah i don't know a lot of the details about this i don't really care to know a lot of the details about this i'm not gonna watch this movie um but do you guys have any thoughts here 
Um, no, <laughs> not really. Yeah, I don't either. Haven't seen them. Not a big, big interest in those types of movies, seeing as I believe my house is haunted anyway. I don't need any more reason to be scared to sleep at night. So, no. Yeah, I know these movies are like kind of what kicked off a large trend of like found footage type movies. Like it seemed like they were at the very beginning of that trend in like the early uh, 2010s. Um, I don't know. I feel like they've got to change it up in some way for this for this reboot to be any different. Um, I don't know. Maybe they'll be like live streaming on Twitch or something and being haunted by a ghost. I don't know. I could see them doing something stupid like that. Um, but yeah, so moving on from there. Uh, a while back, we got the announcement uh, that there was going to be a remake of the classic 90s Nicolas Cage, John Travolta film Face Off. Uh, which I have not seen actually. Um, I know the general concept though. Um, but uh, this past week, they hired a director for that film. Uh, and the director is the same director of the upcoming Godzilla versus Kong. Um, so I guess the only takeaway here is that they should do a face-off remake with Godzilla and Kong in the, in the, in the two lead roles. That, that is all I have to say about this. I have no other thoughts. I think that would be great. I think a, a lizard man, a, a giant lizard with a monkey face and a giant monkey with a lizard face would be, would be very, very entertaining um, for sure. Um, yeah, I really don't know anything about Face Off. I just know it's like, has a reputation for being like very cheesy, but very fun. Um, so yeah, I think you could do this with like, I don't know, just like, pick like two very like kind of eccentric and goofy like actors from now and i think you could just like do that with them get get timothy chalamet to switch his face with someone i don't know who is who is someone of a similar energy to timothy chalamet that could that could star alongside him Tom I, feel, Tom I feel like i need um a, a little bit bit of a brief explanation as to what face off is because i know nothing about yes culture. i guess i guess we should we should i mean all, all i know it's like it's they're just switching people's faces and they're spies maybe yeah they're fbi agents who go undergo facial transplant transplants to like be different people um so yeah basically like what makes that movie as popular as it is is it's basically just two hours of Nicolas Cage pretending to be John Travolta and John Travolta pretending to be Nicolas Cage, um, which is why it's as uh, iconic as it is. Um, so I feel like you've got to get two actors in there that can match that energy. Um, I feel like I feel no like idea. I could see Jack Black in this. I could too. And then. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I I do not envy the casting director for this film. I feel like this is this is casting that you have to get right if it's going to work. If you get the wrong people in there, like this movie's nobody's going to care about it. But I feel like I feel like there's a solid chance that like Ryan Reynolds gets involved with this. Yeah, um, I'm not sure who you would cast opposite that. I've seen some people saying like Ryan Reynolds and like Hugh Jackman. Um, just because what about Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal? I would see that. I feel like Jake Gyllenhaal has like the chaotic energy to like kind of match a a Nicolas Cage or John Travolta and just kind of be in a little bit weird. <laughs> I think um, I think I'd I'd be down for Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal because did you guys ever watch the interviews they did when they were promoting uh, that sci-fi movie from like 2018? I think it was Life. I don't know. It was a bad age. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but their promotional interviews for that are absolutely hilarious. Like the two of them together are incredible and they just had like a really good chemistry. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I'd, I'd be down for Ryan Reynolds and Jake Gyllenhaal in a, in a face-off remake. Absolutely. I, any interview with Jake Gyllenhaal is like just insanely chaotic and weird. And he's just, he's just, he's just a maniac, but, but he's a very good actor. So I, I think he's just playing us all, I think, secretly. There are things going on in his brain that no one will understand, and I think that's totally fine. 
I, Kyle, have you, Kyle, have you seen the John Mulaney special that he's in? There's like a John Mulaney like children's special that he did like a few years ago. Um, and Jake Gyllenhaal has a has a bit that he does um, where he plays a character called Mr. Music. And he's like this guy who is trying to teach kids about music. And he just like, it's kind of like the everything's a drum sketch from Auntie Donna's Big Old House of Fun, where he's just like, drumming and stomping on things and like nothing is actually making music and he just goes insane at the end and it's just very very funny that sounds like something jake Gyllenhaal would do yes absolutely um so yeah i guess moving on from there uh, we've got some tv news to talk about we don't get a lot of tv news on this podcast um but yeah uh did you guys ever see mr and mrs smith um i think it came out way back in the day. It was Will Smith and Angelina Jolie. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen it. No. Okay. I haven't, I haven't seen it either, but uh, Amazon is developing a TV series based off of Mr. and Mrs. Smith and have cast Donald Glover and Phoebe Waller-Bridge uh, in the two lead roles. Um, again, haven't seen the, 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 any of the original material, um, but this casting gets me interested in this. Um, I love Donald Glover. Um, I haven't seen a lot with Phoebe Rollerbridge. Um, the only like kind of real experience I have with her as an actress is like her, I think she played um, like the droid in Solo, a Star Wars story, like Lando's droid. And so I think they acted off of each other um, in that movie and had pretty good chemistry considering she was a robot. Um, but yeah, so I think this is interesting. Um, I'll maybe check out a trailer in a first episode or something and just give it a try. Um, But it's not something I I was necessarily dying to see. Do you guys have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I, yeah, I really like Donald Glover. Yeah. I don't have a lot of experience with Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Yeah. Have you seen Fleabag? I feel like that's a show that you would have seen. You betcha I have. Oh yeah. I love her. I think Fleabag is incredible. I think she is so talented um I just came off of watching Finishing Atlanta which was really really sad to finish it up even though it's not like I know it's a continuing series but like who knows when we'll get more content from then from that um so I haven't seen uh the the solo movie and so I don't know like I haven't seen their chemistry together but like picturing them to them too oh English the two of them together again in a role that I am not super well informed of um I don't know it just they I feel like they have very uh not conflicting but their energy just is not really on the same wavelength but again I know they're multifaceted so who knows I'll see it yeah, uh, so moving on from there, um, we've got, I think, three more TV stories. Two of them are slightly tied together, so I'm going to come back to those ones. Uh, so briefly, I want to mention that HBO Max is developing a Scooby-Doo prequel animated series that apparently is like an adult animated series in which Mindy Kaling is voicing Velma, and it's entirely based around Velma. Um, I'm not sure who was asking for this. Um, I think it's interesting. I'll check it out. I like the. I really like the casting of Mindy Kaling as Velma. I think, in any sort of Scooby Doo related, uh, any sort of Scooby Doo related material, I think that'd be great casting. But I also am just not really interested in a Velma standalone adult animated series. Um, do you guys have any thoughts here? Yeah, I feel like Scooby Doo has just you know it's been done to death in like the mainstream in a mainstream format you've had multiple live action movies they just did scoob um i feel like the kind of next logical step was like scooby-doo but it's a little bit scooby rude (laughs) so you know this could be fine um i don't really care about this it was be velma but she's like swearing a little bit and i'll be like whoa so yeah I don't know. Mia, do you have any thoughts on this? No, but that was a very, very good joke. I I don't think I've ever actually seen like any Scooby-Doo content. Like didn't grow up with it. 
literally don't know anything about it. So what? 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 How? How do you? I I did not watch things growing up. I watched Veggie Tales, like a very good Christian girl, and I played outside a lot. <laughs> That's it. That's- that's and wild. I watched, I watched a lot of nature documentaries, so I know a lot about nature. I don't know anything about Scooby Doo. So, like, what do you know about Scooby Doo? That he is a dog. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> like, do you know anything about the characters? Can you name? Can you name the Scooby Doo character? I'm putting you on blast right now. Can you name the Scooby Doo? Yeah. Velma. Uh huh. <laughs> Shaggy. Yep. One more. One more to go. Veronica. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Shelly. <laughs> what is her name? Daphne. 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 Okay. I did know that. I did. Uh huh. That's I, wild, man. I had a lot of Scooby Doo experience as a kid. I watched, I watched the, the original like 60s animated series with my grandpa on Boomerang all the time. Boomerang was my jam. Boomerang was amazing. <laughs> um, and then I had this Scooby Doo video game for the PlayStation 2 that was called like uh, Scooby Doo, like Night of 100 Frights or something like that, which was an incredible game. Uh, it was just like a fun Scooby-Doo uh, kind of adventure game. And there were lots of collectibles. And I loved that game. Um, I remember playing that at a friend's house one time being like, this is the most fun I've ever had. It was um, incredible. It was amazing. Yeah, I when I was a kid, I uh, we had the like entire box set of the like original cartoon. Because like, like there weren't like that many episodes of that. Um, and my sister and I would just watch that like on repeat. So like I have a very a very nostalgic uh, sweet spot for Scooby Doo. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 truly shocked and appalled, Mia, that that you just have truly no like truly no Scooby Doo experience. I think we need to watch um, like one of the James Gunn Scooby Doo movies. At yes, some we point. should watch. Yes, because uh, yeah, both of the Scooby Doo movies from the early 2000s were written by James Gunn, which is just incredible. Uh, and also just briefly like when he was writing those movies he wrote them to be like kind of adult movies like P- at least a hard pg-13 maybe even a light rated r uh but then warner brothers stepped in and we're like no we're not doing that um, but yeah um we're starting to run low on time on our meeting so we'll we'll, we'll move along uh we got the news that gina uh gina carano uh i think yeah i don't for some reason like i know that's correct but i'm saying her name and i feel like i'm pronouncing it wrong uh, but nope. gina carano uh, has been fired from the mandalorian uh following a series of social media posts that we won't get into the meat of um but she had become a, a fan favorite character as as cara dune um and so yeah this like it sucks that she's she's no longer involved um but i don't disagree with with the decision disney made here um i think i think that they're just doing what's best for their brand in the long term um and so yeah do you guys have any thoughts on here on gina carano no longer being with the mandalorian yeah i think from like just like a pure like looking at the show perspective like yeah it's a shame like i generally like that character i thought she was interesting and I think they were kind of positioning her to get her own show. But I think once she started like amplifying a lot of her views on social media in the past few months, I think they really like pumped the brakes on that and reportedly were very much looking for like the last straw. And that happened last week and they 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 fired her. So yeah, I mean it's a shame. I think. Yeah, she was an interesting character. I liked her performance, but I don't think the show will suffer too much without her being there. Yeah, um, so moving on from there, uh, speaking of The Mandalorian, uh, while Gina Carano got fired from The Mandalorian, Pedro Pascal actually got another job. Uh, Pedro Pascal has been cast as the lead. I believe the character's name is Joel uh in the last of us so i haven't played the last of us um but david has and so i'll throw it to him here in a second but yeah so pedro pascal has been cast as the lead of joel um and the the other lead i believe her name's ellie correct is that is that 
cool, uh, has been cast as uh, Bella Ramsey, uh, who most people, or at least most Game of Thrones fans, will recognize as uh, Liana Mormont uh, from the final few seasons of Game of Thrones. Uh, she, that wasn't a big role, but it was a role that like people were talking about from like the first episode she showed up, just because she was this like twelve year old girl like holding her own against like powerhouse actors and like so basically the TLDR of the character is like she was the last like member of like her family alive, so she was like the head of that house and like the head of like a clan of of like warriors, um, and she just handled it very well and was like an adult but also a 12 year old girl um and she was super badass um and had some great fight sequences um and yeah just stole every scene she was in um so i'm excited to see her getting more work um so yeah throwing it to you david because you you are the uh, the last of us uh fan here uh, what do you think of this casting i am so excited like this is absolute perfect casting i think looking at both of the like main roles that these two actors have had Pedro Pascal in the Mandalorian he's a damaged guy who a child comes along into his life um and he despite like not wanting to show vulnerability and attachment like gets attached to this child and has to guide them along a journey and that is exactly what the character of Joel is um, and you describing um, Bella Ramsey's character in, in Game of Thrones, like that is exactly what Ellie is. Like she's this 14 year old girl who like, I, yeah, her parents have died and um, she's, you know, very smart mouth and badass and she can hold her own in a fight. Um, and yeah, perfect, great casting. Um, this is like, yeah, awesome, awesome casting. Um, for like a very short window of time before they announced Pedro Pascal. There's rumors that like Mahershala Ali was gonna get this role. And I thought, I think he would be great, great in this role. But yeah, Pedro Pascal, like I've already seen like some like little fan renderings of what they would look like and, and it is perfect. So yeah, running a, a little bit at, short on time so I won't go too much more into it, but I am so hype about it. Yeah, uh, so jumping into our final bit of news for the week um is we got the we got a trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League um it's not the first trailer we've gotten for this even though it's being advertised as like the first official trailer I don't know um but this is the first trailer that like tries to differentiate itself from previous versions of Justice League um yeah I think it looks pretty good um it definitely feels like it has a different tone uh there's some shots in here well there's quite a few shots in here that are just directly taken from the version of Justice League we've seen already, um, but I'm not worried about it being like too similar of a movie considering it's over twice the length. Um, so I think there's gonna be plenty of, of new material here to go over. And even in this trailer, there's plenty of new material. Um, the thing everyone's talking most about is the appearance of Heath, uh, not Heath Ledger, of Jared Leto's Joker at the very end, um, just looking like a, a, a desert weary Joker and I don't know, he seems like he's Jared Leto. So yeah, I, I this trailer has me intrigued uh, and looking forward to Zack Snyder's Justice League, but I wasn't like blown away by it by any means. Um, so yeah, what do you guys think? Yeah, I, so I was just, I was telling Kyle before this, I just watched Justice League last night and yeah, it's real not good. Like it's just a really flat and bad movie and feels like it just lacks vision and that's you know based on everything we've heard about the production of of the original like that makes sense so hopefully this is better i really really do not want a four-hour version of like that original movie um but yeah real quick mia like as someone who has not seen any of these movies but you watched the trailer correct for this what do you what do you think of any of this oh that's a good question um Honestly, I'm just mostly confused. I think I don't get a lot of the hype behind it. Honestly, I just feel very clueless about it all. I saw the trailer. I thought, whoop-de-doo. Okay, here we go. Um, that's about it. So, <laughs> clueless yeah. is my MO. 
Yeah. So just real quick, uh, I have a theory as to how like the events of this movie are going to play out. Um, and they're kind of just the exact same as Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, where like the first two hours are them uh, being in Justice League and then they lose. And then it's five years in the future, which is the nightmare sequence uh, and everything is awful. And then the Flash has to travel back in time and fix everything, um, which that's my guess as to how this is going to play out because I think that would fill out a four hour movie. Um, but also that is definitely just Avengers infinity war and Endgame. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see if that's actually how it goes. Um, but do you guys have any, any final thoughts on, on Zack Snyder's justice? Yeah, I think that is a very solid and good theory. Like I could totally see that playing out in that way. Um, so yeah, it's going to happen. I'm going to watch it. I'm not going to probably enjoy it super much, but I think just like with any Zack Snyder movie, I will probably be super excited about some moments, but it will just be a total mess when you put all those moments together. Yeah. Um, so on that, we're going to, we're going to wrap it up. Uh, this has been episode 39 of Cinebraskans, the daily Nebraskan entertainment podcast. Uh, as always, I've been your host, Kyle Cruz, joined by my co-host. David Berman. Mia Everding. And, and yeah, uh, thanks for See tuning ya. in. See ya.